Dear saints of God in Christ Jesus, may God multiply his mercies to you and give you his grace today, for his grace and mercy truly are new to us every morning. Today is All Saints Sunday, and All Saints Sunday is a special day for us to consider those who have gone before us and who are with the Lord in glory. But it's also a day for us to remember our identity, who we are as the people of God, and how God indeed has made us his saints, that is, his holy ones. Sometimes I think that in the church throughout the world, when we talk about the saints, people think of the saints as some kind of superhero type Christians, superheroes that have gone before us and did great and amazing things. And while there certainly are many Christians who have gone before us and have set great examples for us through lives of of mercy and faith in the Lord Jesus, to be a saint does not mean that you are a superhero. To be a saint simply means that you have been made holy by the blood of Jesus. If you notice today in the reading from the book of Revelation, it says that in the kingdom of heaven that people are pictured being around the throne of God, and they are wearing white robes, which is a a symbol of purity. But how did their robes get white? How, How were they made pure? It says that in a strange way that their robes turned white because they were washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now, I know Over the years, my mom had a difficult time getting certain stains out of certain clothing that I wore. And if you have blood stains on especially white clothing, it's difficult sometimes to get that out. And yet, in a strange way, the blood of Jesus shed upon the cross turns us white, makes us pure in the presence of God. It doesn't make sense as far as things go in this world. But as far as God is concerned, when Christ Jesus died upon the cross, he took your sins away, and he made you a saint in his presence forever. And so to be a saint, or to be sainted, if you will, or to be holy, or to be holied, if you will. So we're putting God as the one who is in charge of this process. To be sainted, to be holied, you have been sainted. You have been holied. How? Not by the great things that you do, but by the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. That when you were first brought to the Lord Jesus in the waters of baptism, that God sainted you. He holied you. He placed the sign of Jesus' cross upon you, and he marked you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. He sealed you with the gift of his Holy Spirit. He cleansed you of sin and and drew you into his forever family. And so you have been sainted. You have been holied by the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. And so to be a saint means to be blessed, to be blessed by Jesus. Well, when Jesus is speaking to many of his followers in Matthew chapter 5, as we heard read earlier today, he is speaking in what's called the Sermon on the Mount because his physical location is on a mountainside. And geography in the scripture 
is always indicating something. And so when Jesus often teaches on a mountainside, it would make us think back to the Old Testament where God's prophets would often bring declarations from God on a mountainside. Especially we think of Moses, that great Old Testament prophet who on Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb brought down from the top of the mountain to the people seated below words from God that we know as the Ten Commandments written on tablets of stone. And so when Matthew is describing Jesus' action here, it's a way of him indicating, now, look, Jesus is on a mountainside, but he's not bringing down the covenant law of God, but he's going to bring down God's mercy and his blessing over his New Testament people. And so Jesus is described as the greater Moses, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate spokesperson of the living God, the one who doesn't just speak God's word, but John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the word of God in human flesh. And so Jesus is the ultimate prophet who comes to speak to his people. And when he speaks to his people, this Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, he begins with a series called the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are a series of blessings that Jesus speaks over and places upon those who have come to him and trust in him and now learn from him. And so as we look at some of these Beatitudes today, let's first of all see that these blessings, number one, they describe who Jesus is. And so when Jesus is teaching, he's revealing himself to his followers. Every time we learn from the word of God, the Word of God, no matter what section of the Bible it's coming from, is leading us to better understand who Jesus is. And so that is true for Matthew chapter 5, that these blessings will reveal Jesus to us. But then secondly, when we join with the crowd and we sit at Jesus' feet and we put our confidence in him, they will then also describe who we are in Christ. Not on our own, not the great things that we do, but who we are in and through faith in him. And so they describe who Jesus is, and then they describe who we are in Jesus Christ. And so notice Matthew chapter 5 begins by saying, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. So he assumes the role of a spokesperson, a prophet of God. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And so that rhythm continues for us today. If you're a follower of Jesus, that is a disciple, you will come to Jesus by faith. You will put your confidence in him. You will say, he's my savior. But then you will also want to go to him continually so that he teaches you, that he instructs you, that he reveals more of himself to you. His disciples come to him. What does he do? He opens his mouth and he teaches them. And where does this teaching in Matthew 5 begin? Verse 3, he said, blessed. It begins with a blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Of these blessings that Jesus gives, the first four in the Greek language actually use words that begin with the Greek letter pi, with the P sound. And so the p in the beginning of the word, the pi letter would signify that these first four blessings 
are going to be grouped together, are going to communicate the same thing. And so these are the four that we will look at. Number one, blessed are the poor in spirit. Number two, blessed are those who mourn. Now, sometimes people will look at that and say, okay, blessed are the poor, which is certainly true, even those who have very little in this world, when they have Jesus, they are considered blessed. Or blessed are those who mourn, those who are grieving with sadness, the physical loss of life and the loss of loved ones. They are blessed, that is true. But even more than those who are just physically poor, or even more than those who just physically are mourning the loss of life, Jesus is speaking of an attitude of the mind, heart, and spirit. Being poor in your inner being. Mourning in your inner being. So these are ways of describing those who are humble. Those who have been humbled because of poverty or grief. And also those who are humble, see themselves for who they are in heart and in spirit, they are the ones who will receive what the Messiah comes to give. You know, it always blows me away that sometimes I talk to people who believe that they don't need any help. They don't need any assistance. There are some people who believe that they have it all together, that they are the greatest thing since sliced bread that they don't need a savior because they believe that they haven't done anything wrong that they have no sins that god would need to forgive it blows me away but there literally are people in this world who in their arrogance believe that they are all sufficient in and of themselves well a person like that will not be able to receive what god wants to give them because God truly does want to give his mercy and his strength and his forgiveness, but we must first admit that we need it. We must first come and say, I don't have it all together. I am not a perfect person. Uh, I am a sinner in my thoughts and in my words and in my actions. I need God's grace in my everyday life. There is, there is not a single person who doesn't need God's grace there is no one who in and of themselves has it all together. And so admitting that we have a need is where God can then do his work. Because when we are humble in heart and in spirit, we then can receive what God comes to give. And so Jesus, of course, is revealing himself as the ultimate blessing here, the one who blesses those who are humble in heart and in spirit. But how do we know that he is speaking about himself? Well, if we go back to the Old Testament. So Jesus here is beginning a, a new chapter. He's, he's preaching to his people in the New Testament. But a thousand years, a little, a little less than a thousand years before he was born, Isaiah, the prophet of God, spoke about the coming of the Messiah, spoke about the coming of Jesus. And how did he describe Jesus? Well, he speaks for Jesus ahead of time in Isaiah chapter 61. And in that passage, it says, the spirit of the most high, the sovereign Lord is on me. This is the Messiah because he has anointed me. He's Messiahed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of the vengeance of our God, 
to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion. Do you hear those words? Poor and mourning and grieving, the Messiah is coming. And so when we are those people who humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Jesus, I don't have it all together. I simply am a recipient of what you have come to give. What does he want to give? He will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You see that? How he flips the script, how he reverses everything. Those who come before him in humility of spirit, he then gives them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, joy instead of mourning, praise instead of despair. He blesses those He comforts those. He gives the kingdom of God to those who are humble in heart and in spirit and put their confidence in Jesus, the anointed one of God. Jesus then goes on. He speaks his blessing in verse 5. He says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's a strange way to put it. And sometimes that is one of the Beatitudes that is most misinterpreted because people in our world sometimes interpret to be meek as being a doormat. That if you're a meek person, it means that you're walked all over, that you're trampled upon, that you're taken advantage of. And it would seem, to some people's mind, that Jesus then is saying, well, be one who's walked all over. Be a doormat and therefore you will inherit the earth. He's not using meekness as a doormat, but meekness in the Scripture is actually a term for dependence. And so to be meek means one who's dependent, 100% completely dependent upon God for our strength and our confidence. And so think about that. To be dependent upon God means to be a recipient of blessings, And to know that everything that I am and everything that I have is 100% a gift from God. And that's certainly that way in our life right now. I mean, that's what Thanksgiving season is all about. Think about that Thanksgiving remembrance of thinking, Lord, we're thankful for our friends and we're thankful for our families and for the food that's on our tables and the houses that we gather in and the cars that we drive and the jobs that we have and the money in our bank accounts. We're thankful for all of those tangible, physical blessings. We're 100% dependent upon God and therefore thankful to Him. But if we're so dependent upon him in this world, that also means that we're completely dependent upon him for our eternal life. And so our eternal life is 100% dependent upon who God is. Know that right now there is not a single person in heaven who was there because they were a great person. There is not a single person in heaven today who is there because they earned their way there. Every person who is in heaven right now is there because Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did by dying and rising again for them. And the only way that we can be guaranteed of being in heaven when we die is to be 100% dependent upon Jesus Christ. To say that I will be in heaven someday because he is my Savior 
who washed me clean in his blood shed upon the cross and who rose again on Easter Sunday, guaranteeing that I will rise too as my life is in him. We are 100% dependent upon God. We will inherit the new heavens and the new earth, eternal life, because of that dependency upon our God. He is our strength and our confidence. And so three different ways already Jesus has described that attitude of dependence and humility. He's described it as poverty in spirit. He's described it as mourning. He's described it as meekness. And now a fourth way grouped together, he describes it as a hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for the righteousness of God, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who have empty stomachs. Blessed are those who have parched lips, for they will be satisfied. So it's a picture of saying, blessed are you when you hunger and you thirst for what God offers, because when you hunger and thirst for what God offers, you will lack nothing. When you're dependent upon God, he will give. When you're humble of heart and spirit, you're ready to receive who Jesus is and the blessing that he has promised to you. When you hunger and thirst for what Jesus offers, you will truly lack nothing. Is a blessing that he speaks over you. Lacking nothing. Tasting and seeing Psalm 34, again, Jesus fulfills what was written about him. Taste and see that the Lord is good, the psalmist had said in the Old Testament. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, his holy ones, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions. Now, you're, you're never going to meet a humble lion, right? So lions is picture language for those who are arrogant, think they have it all together. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Why do we lack nothing? Because the blessing that is described here in Matthew chapter 5 ultimately is Jesus. So take a look at this picture and think about that. This picture on the screen of Jesus hanging upon the cross and offering his life for us. And there is Jesus as we see all of these beatitudes spoken. It is Jesus who is poor in spirit. It is Jesus who is mourning. It's Jesus, the meek one. Jesus who hungers and who even says, I thirst. It's Jesus who is merciful. Today you will be with me in paradise. It's Jesus, the pure in heart. It's Jesus who is the peacemaker. It's Jesus who is persecuted because of righteousness. And it is Jesus who inherits the kingdom of heaven. And so when we are in Christ, when we stand by faith in Jesus, those blessings are not only his, but are transferred to you as well. And they are ours right now. But even more so as we will one day with all of the saints surround the throne of Jesus, who now is exalted at the right hand of the throne of God, those blessings will be given to us in full measure. For we are blessed to be the saints of God. We are blessed because Jesus is our blessing.